Welcome to this episode of Comeback. As always, I am your host, Connor, and today my guest is Declan Henry, who is a writer. He holds a Bachelor of Arts degree in Education and Community Studies and a Master of Science degree in Mental Health and Social Work. He has written books on quite a variety of topics, including Trans Voices, Voices of Modern Islam, Young Refugees and Asylum Seekers, and Forbidden Fruit about life in contemporary Ireland. I'm very excited to talk about his work today. Declan, welcome. How are you? Hello. Good morning, Connor. Yes, I'm very well, thanks. Excellent. And just to get an overview, Declan, we were briefly just discussing. Can you tell me a bit about your background? Uh, I believe you're currently based in Kent, but you grew up in Sligo. Is that correct? That's correct, yes. I was, I, I was born in Ballymote in County Sligo. Um, and I spent really the the first oh, 20 years of my life there. Um, I kind of left Ireland um, fairly UK. Uh, currently live in Kent, just outside London. I've lived here now for over 30 years. So, Connor, really, I in, in many ways, I have lived longer outside Ireland than actually in Ireland. However, having said that, I go back to Ireland or did pre-COVID um, pandemic. Um, I, I go back on a regular basis and I still have very close ties there. So um, ordinarily, I, I'm, I'm always back to and fro. So, I, you know, I, I still have a strong, strong network and a, a still a very strong connection to Ireland. Yeah, I see. Um, a lot of people that I've met and interviewed, even here in Vietnam or from Ireland, but everybody seems to have this common theme of despite where you are in the world, they still class Ireland very much as their home and they have a very strong attachment to their home country of Ireland. Would you say you are similar? I, I am similar, but having said that, having lived outside Ireland, I would say that my network of friends here in the UK range of different nationalities and so on forth. And probably I'm, I'm friends with less Irish people here, and that's not through choice, it's just by, by circumstance. Mm. Um, I would say my main network of friends are in Ireland, um, which is quite strange, but that's, that's how life panned out. Uh, but yeah, obviously my heart is in Ireland and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's an Irish thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose this might be slightly tricky, but... What does Ireland represent to you? Obviously, it was your home for your first 20 years. What comes to mind? What images do you conjure up when you think of Ireland? I suppose, you know, um, that's interesting because when I wrote my book, for, uh, Forbidden Fruit, you know, I did so many interviews and this was really kind of looking at Ireland post-clerical sex abuse. And I suppose when I was growing up in Ireland, you know, Catholicism had such a, you know, it had such a grip on people. And I suppose doing those interviews made me realize how much Ireland has changed in the last 30 years post those um, clerical sex abuse scandals and really how religion, Catholicism really doesn't have that grip, that hold on people that, that, that it once had. And also, I suppose, during the book, I discovered, even though, as I said, you know, I've, I've been going back frequently, but I suppose being a visitor and actually, you know, um, living there, um didn't make me realize you, you know how progressive 
there's so many changes. I mean, there's just been this tsunami of changes that have taken place in the last 30 years, slowly but gradually. And, and before you know it, the, the whole place um, has, has, has completely changed. The way of life has completely changed. The people are different uh, and so on and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, this might be tricky, but related to that, what do you think are the key differences perhaps related to your hometown of Sligo, uh, when you perhaps visit now compared to 30 years ago, what are some key differences or key themes that you've noticed? Well, it's very, very cosmopolitan. Um, you know, obviously these days in Ireland, um, you, can, you, you have every uh, nationality. Uh, in Sligo, Sligo would be quite diverse because it, you know, it has a, a college there. Um, it has a large Polish... Uh, Slovakian um, community. I think, you know, obviously since Eastern Europe um, um, opened the floodgates um, in the in the mid 2005 onwards, I think, you know, more and more nationalities from Eastern Europe have come to Ireland. Um, so it would not be unusual to, to have, you know, um, different nationalities serving in, uh, you know, being in, serving in, in pubs, restaurants, shops, so on and so forth. So it's, it's much more diverse than it would have been 30 years ago. Um, and obviously that, that adds great flavour, uh, you know, to, to the community um, to see, you know, um, different nationalities come in, making their home in Ireland and, and, and being, in the main, being very happy there. Yeah. And so let's move on to your work, Declan. You grew up then in Sligo. Did you go to university then when you were 20? No, I didn't. No. Um, uh, when I left school, I came to the UK. I lived in London for... Uh, for some years, and it was I was in the catering. Um, I was in the catering trade. Uh, I went to catering college in Galway. So yeah. after that, I, I, I immigrated, um, and I, I, I was dissatisfied. I was unhappy in my first career. So I decided to, to return to college as a mature student. Um, and at that stage, I had been doing some voluntary work with young homeless people in the West End in London. And I think that it was at that point that I decided that I would like to, to go into social work. So I went to university, um, I did my degrees, I did my um, Bachelor of Arts degree in community uh, studies and education. I qualified as a social worker. And then I went and I did my master's degree in mental health social work. So I kind of did that over a seven year period, obviously sometimes the, the, the first degree full time. And then afterwards I studied part time for my master's degree. So yeah, so for nearly 20 years now, I have been a qualified social worker and I've, I've worked predominantly with young people, but I've also worked in forensic mental health. And I'm currently working with young adolescents in an, an adolescent uh, crisis, crisis intervention team. Yeah. So you have a lot of experience of, of, of working with, um, you know, with particularly young people, but also young people with mental health problems and um, you know, those type of difficulties. Yeah. And what drew you to working with people in the realms of social care and mental health? Were there any particular reasons that you were drawn to those areas? I suppose I suppose all social workers go into the profession and including myself, we want to make a difference. I suppose it's that 
I suppose it's, I don't want to sound a goody goody, but I suppose it's, it's that quest or that desire within a person to actually want to make a difference, to want to help somebody overcome a particular problem and for them to move forward in life, that that problem or whatever difficulty um, that they're, they're encountering doesn't hinder the rest of their lives, that they can actually uh, overcome barriers and obstacles to move forward to, to you know, to, uh, to live productive lives. Uh, hopefully that's what I've been doing for the last 20 years, you know, various, various success levels, Connor. Um, you know, it, it's, I suppose you, you go into a profession like this and you kind of, in, in, some, in some way, you're kind of naive and thinking that, you know, there might be just one problem and you help somebody, you, you know, with that problem and they move on. You know, sometimes there are many, many problems um, that, that a young person and their family can, can be going through. And of course, you know, um, you get them through one obstacle and then something else happens and problems repeat themselves. And um, yeah, it's sometimes not very easy. Yeah, I can imagine. And we are going to delve a bit more into your work and also your writing. But before that, Declan, um, the theme of the show is comeback. So comeback from adversity or challenges. Um, may I ask you a bit more about perhaps challenges that you've faced in your career to date? And how did you manage to navigate these? Um, I, I'm kind of lucky in the sense that um, I haven't had that many um, uh, problems in the sense that um, maybe as an older man, clients seem to relate to me quite well. I'd never experienced a racism, whereas I would have colleagues, black colleagues, that you know, um, people can be incredibly racist towards. Um, even though I kind of still speak with an Irish accent, I think that we've moved on, our society has moved on here in the UK, that there wouldn't be, that people wouldn't have discriminatory views, or certainly they wouldn't be as strong as they were 30, 40 years ago towards Irish people. In fact, I've had no traces of that. I, um, I've, I've been very fortunate in that sense, but um, obstacles will... I suppose sometimes, you know, when you go in to help a young person and their families, um, the, you know, sometimes, you know, the, the problems that they have, Connor, have taken a long time. They've developed over a long period of time. And sometimes, you know, people think that we're, you know, kind of these miracle workers that we can go in and undo years and years of, of emotional damage and abuse and so on and so forth and come up with a, a very quick magical solution. And that's not the case. You know, sometimes you really have to work through um, helping people with their problems on a gradient. And just the same way as problems have taken many, many years to, to um, you know, develop, um, the solutions can sometimes take a little a while to, to uh, take hold. And, you know, people, are, people can sometimes be very impatient and uh, they can, you know, can get very angry with us and blame us for all sorts of things. And... Yeah, those 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 are those those can be quite, situations like that can be quite testing, Connor. Yeah, I can imagine. And in social care and the work that you've done, are there any key themes or key lessons that keep cropping up that you think are perhaps important to abide by or bear in mind? I think that it's important to 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 really really work within the statutory frameworks that we do 
to keep to the rules and boundaries, to not make promises that, 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 that you may not be able to fulfill and to be to be open and honest and transparent to people. Uh, you know, this is this is what my service can do. This is what we don't do. This is what we can't do. So it's very, very important to be to be open and honest and to put in those personal boundaries. You know, I, I'm going to be I will always be respectful uh, to you. But, you know, I expect no less than the same courtesy in return, because sometimes people, you know, can cross the line and can be very rude and very aggressive and um, and so on and so forth. And just because, they, you know, they're, they're, they're experiencing a, a difficult time or really, really, are really, really stressed, I want, you know, I would, you know, we, we account for those type of um, situations. You know, th there is a line that shouldn't be crossed. And I think that it's important sometimes to remind people of that line. Yeah, absolutely. And can we then talk a bit about your writing, Declan? How did all this begin? I've noticed that you've done several books, articles, booklets. What was your initial introduction into writing? I think it was when I did my master's degree. Um, I did uh, um, my MSc in mental health social work. I did it at the Institute of Psychiatry, which is part of King's College in London. I think um, when I um, it was at my, it was uh, when I came to the end of my degree, I think it was one of the tutors, you know, who liked my writing style and encouraged me, you know, uh, to continue writing. Um, and I didn't really think that much of it at the time, but shortly afterwards, probably about a year afterwards, I uh, did reflect upon it. And at that time, I was working in a custodial um, setting with young young offenders. Um, this was about 18 years ago. So I decided to write a fictional account. It was my first book. It's called Glimpses. Um, and it's, it's a collection of short stories. It's 26 short stories about young, disaffected young people in the criminal justice system. And um, it's set in the UK and also Ireland. There are some, some stories in Ireland as well. It is fictional. Well, it is semi-fictional. I mean, some of those, some of the experiences of the characters in the book, I will have, you know, worked with young people who would have perhaps encountered similar problems. However, it, they're not based directly on any on any clients that that I have ever worked with. So they are they're they're true to life. That's that's what I'm trying to say. So um, yeah, that really really gave me a, a thirst for writing. And really, since then, I haven't looked back. I mean, that was 18 years ago. Uh, Glimpses was published probably oh, 13, 14 years ago, and I've been consistently I've been very very lucky Connor in the sense that um, so much of my work has actually been been published um, I mean I'm both self, I mean I've, some of my books have been self-published some of them are traditionally published so I've been very fortunate in recent years that you know publishers have recognized that um, you know the quality of my writing is to have, it is always has always been to to a very very high standard and um, now that I've got my foot in into traditional publishing, you know, I've built up very good relationships with 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 two publishers in, in particular, Jessica Kingsley Publishers in London, and also Critical Publishers UK, which is based in St Albans. So yeah, I've been incredibly fortunate uh, in, in the sense that I've had so much of my work actually published. Yeah, absolutely. And there's quite a lot of themes here. There's trans voices voices of modern Islam, young refugees. How do you, if I may ask you, how do you go about finding 
a theme to write a book about, as in why are these, and they're quite a variety, the ideas that you choose? Yeah, sometimes I choose them at random, but I always choose a subject that I'm really, really interested in, rather than, you know, do something that would be controversial or topical. If I'm not interested in it, uh, if I don't feel that I can get something out of it myself, um, I, I tend not to go with it. Uh, you mentioned trans voices. As a gay man, I, you know, I have so many gay friends, I know so many lesbians, I know some uh, bisexual people, but up until I wrote trans voices, Connor, I did not know one single trans person. Um, and that, that was, ooh, that was probably about seven years ago when I started writing that. It was published five years ago. Um, so yeah, that, that, that really interested me. I mean, I, I wanted to meet transgender people. I wanted to hear about their lives, their experiences, and to, to just educate myself so that I could educate uh, my readers uh, because so many people, and I'm very, I'm, uh, so many people really still don't know that much about uh, transgender people, probably more so in recent years because it's, it's become much more of a, um, topical um, subject in newspapers and so on and so forth and, um, and so many uh, well-known people um, have come out as being trans so it, it is slowly building momentum and there's certainly far greater uh, public awareness in recent years but when that I know that um, Jessica Kingsley published um, Trans Voices um, and it was the commissioning editor Andrew James. You know, he was he he was he was brought on board to actually build up this list of um, uh, you know um, trans books because at that stage in the UK there was there, there were no books written um, about um, transgender people. Very very few. They would have been quite out of date. So over the last five years, Andrew has really. Uh, I mean, there are so many books from uh, uh, written, uh, but mine. I'm very proud to say that mine was probably the first or one of the first that Andrew commissioned. Um, in recent years, he's built up this whole catalogue, um, you know, where um, so many different trans people themselves have written books. Uh, and as I said, the subject has been covered so ex extensively from, from many, many angles that it's, um, it, it's wonderful to see because as I said, there was just such, there was really nothing there up until about five years ago about this uh, subject. and. He's done a fantastic job. Yeah, and how do you go about approaching a subject that perhaps you don't have personal experience over the line? Do you tiptoe in? Do you double check to make sure that you've got the accuracy of your research? How does it work if you write a book that you are not directly influenced by, if that makes sense? Yes, no, absolutely. Um, especially, I mean, if you you look at voices of modern Islam. Yeah, I mean at that. Yeah, because that was a, uh, that was published three four years ago, um, also by uh, Jessica Kingsley. Um, I wanted to explore, um, you know, radicalization and extremism, because that was kind of that came out shortly after um, terrorist attacks here in the UK uh, with ISIS. And, um, so. I wanted, I suppose I'm, I'm always very honest. I never ever, I never trick people. I'm always honest about, uh, you know, who I am, what I am, what I'm looking for. Um, when I'm doing research, you know, if you, for Trans Voices and then the book on Islam, I mean, I interview well over a hundred people. Now to begin with, you know, when I start interviewing people, 
Um, it's a new subject. Um, everything that's, that, you know, the first uh, participants, the first interviewees, what they say to me, it's new, it's fresh, I don't know. But as you go along, Connor, you know, come to the 50th interview, people do tend to begin to uh, repeat themselves, right? I will have heard the same thing over and over and over again. So by the time that you come to um, the end of the, the interviews, you know, after maybe having interviewed up to 100 people, you kind of know the general, the general theme or the general consensus of, 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 of what people are saying, range of different um, uh, topics within that, within that subject matter. And, and that's coupled then with my academic research, obviously I have to read books, internet searches, um, and, and so on and so forth to, to build up this, this entire picture that, that I have gained total accuracy of that particular subject. Uh, and then I always make sure that it's peer reviewed before it's published, because that's very, very important to, to, um, to make sure that there's absolutely no glaring uh, mistake or inconsistency in, in, in the manuscript. Yeah, I, I see. And you have given me some insight into this. And this is a topic that does fascinate me because it's something I may consider in the future. Um, in terms of the overall writing process, this might be tricky to answer because it depends how much research, how many books, how many interviews, etc. Uh, and also the amount of drafts. But how does it work? As in, how long would you expect to work on a particular book? Or does it depend on the subject matter? Um, it depends on the subject matter, but for something like um, um, Voices of Modern Islam, uh, that took, that's 18 months. Trans Voices is 18 months. Um, uh, though, yeah, I, I don't think of any book that is less than 18 months because, I mean, um, maybe Forbidden Fruit because that's the smallest uh, book that I've that I, that I written. Um, that's yeah that probably took less maybe about a year but the, the rest definitely 18 months and that's and, and sometimes that's quite going uh, quite hard going because the current book that i'm writing i'm writing a book at the moment about um the grt communities grt as in gypsies roma and travelers mm. um i started that in um i hope to have the manuscript finished by the end of january february but I'll tell you, it, it has been it has been constant. Uh, that's not obviously that hasn't been helped by the the COVID pandemic and perhaps not being able to to go out and interview as many people face to face. But obviously, I've had to, you know, rely on the telephone and and, and Microsoft team meetings and that um, like that. But um, it has been it has been constant, Connor. Um, there's been no large gap that I've, you know, taken off and. But with my writing, I you know, I, I write every day, Connor. Uh, mm. It's not a question of leaving writing to two or three days a week or say, oh, I'll do a little bit next weekend. Uh, I'm constant. I mean, I'll be writing sometime later today and tomorrow. I do something every single day to build up that consistency, to, you know, to keep in that uh, momentum, to keep the momentum going. Yeah. And as a writer, Declan, a lot of the time when I've interviewed writers, they talk about, the loneliness of the process where you're typing away and having to be patient that one day it will be out there and also the self-doubt as in always oh, this draft okay are 
themes such as loneliness and self-doubt, things that you have struggled with uh, throughout your writing career? No, not really, because to, to me, uh, writing is a choice. I don't, I, um, nobody makes me write. I love to write. Um, certainly not in it for the money, Connor. Um, I, I think some people do do try have a stab at writing, thinking that they're going to become the next J.K. Rowling and that they're going to have this, you know, these 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 large royalty checks flooding in. I wish, but I think um, if I was in it for the money, I certainly wouldn't do it. I do it because I genuinely, genuinely love doing it. I love writing. I love to be able to express myself on paper. I love to be able to express the thoughts, the opinions of others on paper. Um, that to me is the reward. Um, that's to me is the motivation and the drive behind that. I just absolutely love it. Yeah, and enjoying the process is obviously key. But aside from that, if there were any aspiring writers who were interested in writing books, particularly in the field that you've done so, i.e. researching topics such as Islam, trans voices, etc., what advice would you give them or what should they be aware of in starting their writing journey? I suppose I would recommend to everybody that they should do some type of creative, a creative writing course um, for the simple reason that even though, you know, writers may have been to university and so on, I think that it's important to do, I mean, I did went on a creative writing course a long time ago, probably about 15 maybe longer than that 15 years or so ago and I think that that irons out bad habits and it, it, it you know when you get rid of bad habits in your writing um, that speeds up the process um, I would always recommend somebody do something like that I mean these days this there are you know there, there are various short courses that people can do and obviously there are many many courses that people can do in um in you know there's master degrees um, and those creative MA MA um, degrees in, in creative writing they're probably uh, more difficult to get out of but certainly I would recommend for anyone to go on a short uh, creative writing course and as I said it, it really does teach teaches you to, to get rid of loss of bad habits in, in, in writing and once you have released a book or a publication once you finally got it out there, you've completed the manuscript, all the research is down, and it is out there published. Uh, what feelings come to you? What sort of things do you experience once you've finally published your work? It's it's a tremendous relief. It's it's you know you, uh, it's it's like a child. It's 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 one of my children, as it were. Um, yeah, it's it's my creation. It's it's out there for for the for the remainder of time. Uh, once I finished a final manuscript, I never ever read read it again for the simple reason that always always be something Connor that you wished you could have said differently or, yeah, or you would have said it differently. Once it's finished, it's finished, um, and I uh, yeah, it's then move on to the next one. Um, but at that stage, you know, um, when you write a book, you've read you've read over it so many times. Um, you, you're ready to, by the time. It's it's ready to be published or it is published. Um, yeah, it's it's time to de to depart company with it in that sense. Yeah, and from a creative standpoint, whenever you have released your creation, 
Uh, I believe that it was Charles Dickens who used to go through walks in the streets of London to wind down and also keep his creative sparks flowing. Do you have any particular practices that you like to do to uh, perhaps stay on top of your game or to wind down from perhaps the pressures of writing? Do you have any ways of relaxing that you like to practice? Um, I'm quite a spiritual person, so you know, I've, 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 um, I practice that spiritual rather than religious. Um, obviously, I, I, I go to the gym, I'm a personal trainer, I like to keep fit. Um, you know, I like films, um, things like that. I don't play any sports, um, yeah, but I generally uh, like to keep that a good, um, life work balance uh, but I am quite busy but I like to be busy um, um, yeah I can't say that I, I do anything extra special out of the ordinary yeah okay and one thing that I would like to ask you about is related to I believe a recent booklet that you've published how I came across you actually on Manchester Irish Facebook and it is to do with suicide and mental health uh, is that correct that you published a booklet on that subject fairly recently? I did, yes. It was published, uh, it's published on my website, Connor, and it was released on the 10th of September, which is World Suicide Prevention Day. Um, now I started doing that last year because I, I, was in, I was in between books. I'd finished my book on young refugees and asylum seekers. And it had just, uh, it was just before I started researching my current book on, on gypsies and travelers. Um, I had that bit of a lull and I was doing some, some articles on mental health. And initially I had um, just sent out a local uh, Facebook group here in Kent, you know, to say that I was, at that stage, I was only going to write an article about suicide. But the response, Connor, from that, um, 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 post that I did on a local Facebook page. I mean, the response was actually phenomenal. I mean, up to 30 people a day were contacting me. So it kind of grew from that, that this needs to go into a booklet, or indeed a book, uh, rather than just an article. Um, so I did um, the bulk of those interviews last year, but it wasn't in time for um, World um, Suicide Prevention Day 2020. So that kind of rolled over to this year. So I did some more interviews there in the springtime this year, and um, yeah, I, I'm really really pleased with uh, with with it. And has had again, it has really received very very favorable uh, feedback. Um, yeah, uh, because it's it's uh, you know the, the the suicide statistics are just. They're really, really so high, and it's there is there is really need for for this booklet and and for for other publications to to really uh, address this this subject. Yeah, absolutely. And coming to the end of the conversation, Declan, I know you have your book that you've mentioned. You're researching on gypsies, at travelers, etc. Can I ask you? What are your aims for the future? What would you like to achieve going forward with your work? I think that I always, I mean, I choose contentious subjects. I choose subjects where the voices of people in those communities aren't heard or aren't represented uh, in a, either in a good light or either represented correctly. 
So I think that I will always, yeah, I will always kind of, you know, represent the underdog and it's about breaking down, um, you know, um, discriminatory views. It's about raising awareness of, of difficult contentious subjects. It's about, yeah, dispelling myths and misconceptions and, and things like that, Connor. I think that's what I'm all about. Um, it's, yeah, it's bringing alive subjects that would otherwise be kept to the side and 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 remain in, in you know, in a very contentious, unapproachable light. Yeah, that's what my writing is all about. Yeah, I see. And where can we find out more about what you do online or on social media, Declan? Where can we find out more about your work? Uh, well, first and foremost, I've got a, an author's Facebook page. It's Declan Henry, Irish author. But I would strongly recommend people to, to look at my new website, which is www.declanhenry.co.uk. Now there you will uh, you will find um, it's it's quite a comprehensive uh, website. You will find information about my background. Uh, it'll give links to all my uh, seven published books so far. You'll be able to download my booklets uh, free of charge. Um, the more recent booklets uh, about suicide, suicide reasons to live, um, and also there's a booklet there on ADHD which is also free to download. Um, yeah, and there's, there's also links to many, many um, articles that I've written and that have been published, and also um, book reviews, because I, I write book reviews for the, the New York Journal of Books, and there's, there's links there to, to, to everything that I've published. So it's quite a comprehensive uh, website, and yeah, I'd urge your listeners to uh, please, please give it a view. Excellent. Well, Declan, I've really enjoyed this. I've really enjoyed discussing and talking about your work and reasons for it, etc. Thank you very much for your time today and all the very best with your future projects. Keep up the good work. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Connor.